Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. Now, listen carefully. Proverbs 18.2 in the Amplified Version says, A self-confident non-thinker with God has no delight in understanding, but only revealing his personal opinions and himself. Now, you think of that. The person who has empty pride is self-confident. Number two, your translation says fool, but the word is aphron, non-thinker, in the Greek. Now, he has no delight in true understanding, but just reveals a personal opinion and himself about a subject, because he doesn't have a category to think with with God. Now, Proverbs also, the the, uh, 20th chapter and the 24th verse says, Men's steps are ordered by the Lord. And how can a man understand his way if God orders his steps? Jeremiah 10.24 says, It's impossible for a man of himself to direct his own steps. So what does a person do that lives with evangelical opinions, that does not have categorical thinking, that really can't think and understand but has vague general cliches and concepts of Christianity, and he is sad. He tries to direct his own steps and evaluate and judge without divine viewpoint. Let me let me illustrate how this works. Here's somebody that doesn't want to be responsible to an international ministry of any kind. They want to stay in a small group forever. There's nothing wrong with small groups as long as it's part of something big. Or it's going to go to be big. I started out with two, five, and six and still do it. But I'm talking about those that do not want a pastor teacher. That do not want a fruitful ministry. This is what they say. I used to love that ministry, but we're Christ-centered and it's program-centered. You better believe it's program-centered, but it's a divine program. Be ye witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's a program, but it's divine, given by the Master. Go into all the nations and preach the gospel and teach them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you and make them disciples. Now, that's a program, but it's a divine one. But these people want to sit around and drink coffee by the hours and talk about deeper life and loving one another. They don't love one another. They just have personality we're poor around caffeine. They don't want to be responsible for China, for India, for Africa, for Tokyo, for, for Australia, for New Zealand, for Austria, for, for Sweden, for Costa Rica. They don't want to be responsible for any of these places. They want to maybe just pray for somebody occasionally if it's comfortable. And they just want to talk about the deep things of God. And then they say, Jesus is the issue. Next, next time somebody's, of course Jesus is the issue. What do you think we'd be in all these countries if Jesus wasn't the issue? But they want to intimidate you by saying, after all, Jesus is the issue. 
Let me tell you what they mean by Jesus is the issue. They mean Jesus is the issue and not what Jesus thinks. Number two, not what Jesus says. Number three, not what is categorized by God through the Holy Spirit. They mean they're going to center everything around the name of Jesus while the rest of us take up our cross and center things around the nature of Jesus. They use Jesus as a name. We use the name in nature. In other words, 2 Peter 1.4 says, We receive the promises of God, and through the promises we are partakers of His divine nature. So if you say to that person, Do you know what the Bible says? It says to love one another, to lay down your life, not to gossip, not to slander. And then it says to pray without ceasing. Then it says to win souls. Then it, uh, and then it says just to serve with love and... Uh, but it says, serve with love, not sit around all the time. So they came here, and I said, hey, we're going in all the world. They didn't believe me. When we started going, they said, uh-oh, it's getting too big. They don't care anymore. What they meant was, we didn't go to the same house every Friday night after service. That's what they really meant. The same two families didn't get us forever. We outgrew ourselves and outgrew everybody and loved everybody while we did it and was available to everybody all the time it was going on with deep, intimate, and personal love, phone calls and letters whenever humanly possible. But what they were doing is making Jesus sound sweet when they were rejected what he says to do with the cross. Now, categorical doctrine will straighten anybody out. If you don't know what that is, it means that you have definite categories that you think the way God says and speak what God speaks and apply what God's life does through the filling of the Holy Spirit and through the beautiful love of Jesus Christ. So it's not just knowledge. So, we're Christ-centered and not church-centered, they say. That's what you think. They're religious-centered and not biblically-centered. Now, I want to say this. Vainglory, empty pride in the Greek, means no purpose, living in opinions, no definite, specific reason for being saved. That's what it means in the Greek. Then strife is erithia, E-R-I-T-H-E-I-A. Erithia means taking sides without doctrine. Hear me now. Erithia means Taking sides without categorical doctrines to think. Now, if you don't have categorical doctrine to think in, you take sides with an opinion and the one that you happen to like the best who you've been with more than anyone else. That's called personality rapport. Rapport means appreciation. Well, I think the Bible says somewhere. No, it doesn't either. It says specifically. Uh, I think you ought to do this. Don't you think you ought to do this? God says it to me, to you, to everybody. We all have the Word of God to go by as a premise. It's not I think, it's God says clearly. Now, erethia is a very interesting word. And I, through the, every time it comes up, I'll study it again. I'll look into some new sources. And I always keep studying a word. I never quit through my, what I've learned about a word. Erethia means a person who lives in an opinion and if you don't accept his opinion, he runs down you to discredit your knowledge. It's a very 
unusual thing. It's taking sides without doctrine. It's taking sides without divine love. It's taking sides without being seated with Christ. It's taking sides through self-interest, self-preference, and self-opinions. Now, there's millions of Christians that do it all the time. They live in forms of strife. And it becomes empty pride, you see, and futile. That's another word in the Greek, futile. I want you to notice something else is here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Absolutely nothing. Now, let's say that somebody went against your family. They called your wife all kinds of names. They published a report about her. And they said that she's a liar, she's crooked, that she's been uh, on the bad streets, and she's been taking drugs. Now, how would you feel? Be honest with me. Would you think you should just... What if it went across the nation? Would you just turn the other cheek? What would you think if when your wife appeared that everybody said, Oh, it's his wife. You'd just say, Hey, that's all right. Hallelujah. Would you do that? I don't think you would. Here's one person that wouldn't. How about they do it to your church? Is your church spiritually with all the eternal souls and all the people that are born again and all the people that serve and love and commit and dedicate? And what if they are dealt with like that? Let me tell you something. Do you think Jesus did right, friends, in Mark 3, 5, and you read it for yourself, when he came in the room and he saw two Pharisees and he got, the Bible says, the Greek says, extremely angry. One scholar says red hot with madness. Well, was that right? I don't think that was right. I think maybe that was a little teeny bit off. I saw, I was there and I saw his face and he got mad and red faced and got angry. Now, I don't think, that wasn't loving those Pharisees. And furthermore, I read in Matthew 23 where he called them names. I don't think that's right. I mean, I, I think God could do better than call somebody serpents. Why not give them a little sugar? I mean, Paul telling people just because they, they backslid and, and uh, did some circumcising and accepted some Judaistic proselytes, saying, I wish that certain things would happen, that you'd be castor, what do you call it? Castigated or castorated. <laughs> I, want to get, I want to say it quick before you dwell too much on it. And... Uh, Galatians 5.11, he said, I'll put it this way. He said, I wished that you husbands would have something happen so you couldn't have any more kids to go to hell through Judaism. And he used a word that was very plain. I don't think Paul did right. Now, why didn't he love those poor people? He didn't do right. What was John doing? Mentioning Diotrephes' name. Why didn't he keep... He wrote that to everybody. He said, Diotrephes wants to have preeminence. Paul said, Demas forsook us. They did wrong. You don't mention people's names. You keep still. Unless it happened to be your wife and your kid. Maybe that would cause a little bit different reaction. 
If you don't stand for God's church, and God's church is the fullness of Him on earth, and God's body is the fullness of everything in the universe, in Ephesians 1, 22, 23, God's church is His tremendous organism where He's represented, and you don't let people get away with that either. You don't just turn the other cheek. Now, let me tell you something. You don't live in mental attitude sins against these people. You don't hate them. You're not jealous. You're not, you don't despise them. Apart, love doesn't mean we don't say anything. Love means that we don't hate them in our attitude, that we're relaxed, that we love them in a second if they came, that we don't even hold anything against them. But love means that we have a beautiful mental attitude toward them, but it doesn't mean we don't reveal the Diotrephes, the Demases, the Pharisees, the Scribes. If you knew how much time Jesus spent on those people, you'd be shocked. The Gospels are filled with Him resenting with righteous indignation what they were doing to hurt His earthly ministry. Read it in Matthew 21. Read it in Matthew 8. Read it in Mark 5. Read it in Luke 5, 18 to 26. Read it in Mark 3, 5. Read it throughout the Bible. It's there. And then Paul had it in Galatians. The writer of Hebrews had it. On and on it goes. They spent Thessalonians, they said in the Greek that Paul was in moral. In Thessalonians, they said he was after money. In Corinthians, they said he was an authoritarian. Everywhere you read it, Paul and these men are giving answers and saying, You are wrong. We are of God. So, Philippians 2.4 says this. Look out. Every man on his own things, but every man also... Look not, rather, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The word looking here is skopontes. Skopontes is a, is a Greek word, and it deals with a, with a present active participle of skopeo. Skopeo comes from skopos, which means aim or good. And it means this. It means, I'm not out for number one. But I want you blessed in your relationship with me. I'm not looking after myself. Somebody says, what do you think I am? I'll say, I think he's beautiful. I love him. But did you? No, I love him. See, I'm looking out for your interests and not mine. And every time something comes up, we look out for the other person. And that's our aim because of divine good. And that's our aim because of categorical doctrine. And that's our aim because of humility of mind. And that's our aim because we're grace-oriented. And that's our aim because we adjust to love. And that's our aim because we're instructed with God's Word how to divide Scriptures and to think in positive de decisions. Then we get into verse 5. And uh, I, I'm glad we, we can get into verse 5. It's so beautiful. Listen to it carefully. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, when I think that you and I, regardless of our frailties, in spite of our sins, are told that we can let God's mind rule and govern us. People won't want you to do that. And we were saying coming down the car, people get insecure when they're around a Christian that's confident in Jesus Christ. He's not proud. He's not better, that's for sure. But he's secure in who he is because of the way he thinks. 
And that itself reveals an authority that people get scared of, even if there's no authority used. You think that over. It makes somebody think he's authoritarian just because he knows his sins are paid for. He's got a Savior. He's got a Lord. Even when he's quiet, they think that's authority. Even if he loves them, that's, they get afraid of the authority of love. And he's so secure in his Savior and Lord and in the Bible and in the Holy Spirit. And so it's very true. Having this mind in you, it's in the Greek, it's tarto, it's tarto, and then it goes into phronetai, phronetai in human. Phronetai in human means this in the Greek. Keep on thinking all the time by letting Jesus Christ's words control your soul. Now, a lot of people don't want Jesus Christ's words controlling the soul of their kids. A lot of people don't want Jesus Christ's words controlling their wife. A lot of people don't want Jesus Christ's words controlling their husband if they want materialism. They don't want the cross. They would rather Jesus Christ's words wouldn't control. So who do they blame? The one that preaches the words. Now, this is a very interesting verse, and it's a commandment by God. You keep on thinking categorical doctrine all the time. And how are you going to think it if you're not taught it by good Bible teaching that's categorical teaching? You're not. You can't think what you're not taught. And you can't think what you do not know. And you can't think what you don't hear. And you can't think if you don't hear it often. So, he says this, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice something. Froneo, our old word froneo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O, it means have in your mind plural. Froneo here is to have in your mind plural. You find it in Kenneth Weiss. Of all, I studied the context, the computer and everything. Weiss had the best thing on it. Think in your mind in plural. Uh, Now, have in your mind plural. Have in your mind plural is a phenomenal word for this froneo. It means have categorical doctrine resident always in your mind in plural doctrine. Doctrine of love, doctrine of grace, doctrine of forgiveness, doctrine of no gossip, doctrine of honor, doctrine of nobility, doctrine of believer priest, doctrine of privacy, doctrine of not listening to evil reports, doctrine of soul winning, doctrine of prayer, doctrine of peace. Doctrine of the second coming. Doctrine of, the, uh, of being seated together with Christ. Doctrine of faith rest. Doctrine of joy. And uh, the doctrine of... Uh, of uh, let's see. Can I think of another one here? Oh, yes. Edification. Edification. There. Now, all of these doctrines, plural, controlling your thought process. If that's not happening to you, you better make plans to let it happen and stop being stagnant in a mutual admirational society of no corn harvest in the fall. Because what is going on with your life in doctrine and the fruit of doctrine on your lips and the fruit of doctrine in your ministry is what you will determine your eternal destiny in heaven. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out 
how to give your donation at www.gracionpublic.com. Proverbs 16.1 The preparations of the heart and man, the preparations of the heart and man, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And word preparations there um, is the word Arak. Strong's number 6186. It means to arrange or to set, put in order, to array, to prepare. In Judges 20, uh, verse 30, the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And that put themselves in array is the same word as prepared. In Job 37:18 through 20, Hath thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. And that word, order our speech, is also a rock. Also an awesome verse there. <laughs> In Isaiah 40, verse 17 and 18, All nations before him are as nothing, and they shall be counted to him less than nothing. To whom then will we liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? And that will ye compare is Iraq. So it's to put in order, or to order our thoughts in such a way, we have a strategy in mind of, of that order. This is a good way to live. Isn't it? It's a good way to live. That we have an ordered path. That we set ourselves in array. How do we do that? And in Matthew 11, it says that we shouldn't, in a sense, put in order what we're going to say when we stand before leaders. Because God will give us the thing to say in the moment. So there's there's a degree where it isn't the ordering in in such a way that all the details are covered, and I'm looking for, to uh, to have a plan B and a plan C, and if this doesn't work, then I'm going to do this. And it isn't necessarily the chess game kind of order, but it is the a life that's in order that's arranged, and there's a preparation that's involved in that, and that preparation comes really in that walking in a relationship with God, in the things in the reveal walking in the revealed will of God and his and his revealed word to us as well. And how do we know and this is a great statement I was talking to a pastor this week and he was talking about Pastor Anderson in Bible college doing a whole class on knowing the will of God and how do we know the will of God. And he said you know, there were many things he took out of that class, but the main thing that he took out of it was that all that you are and all that you have up until this point that God has done in your life and spoken to you about and moved on you in, and then you are to take the next step and make a decision about what to do next, that you're active in your faith, believing that God, like praying and consulting the Word, we consult godly counsel, and for certain situations, but we hear from the pulpit, we see what's going on with the Spirit of God, what he's saying to the churches, and then we make a decision. 
And there's a time to wait and there's a time to act. Sometimes my action is that. It's preparation. It's that I'm in the book. It's that I'm in prayer. It's that I'm, I'm involved, that I'm proactively moving. That's my preparation for the decision that then needs to be made. And then when I stand before the leader, then I have a word to say in season. And it's not because I prepared a speech with emphasis in specific ways on this way or that, and I tell a joke here, and I, I give an illustration here, and I cover my two illustrations and no more. And because that can be really very crystallized, to live life that way. But that I'm moving with the, with the Holy Spirit, and the wind blows where it listeth, but my preparation basically is raising my sail so that the Spirit of God can take me where he would, that it's that kind of preparation. And then if, I, if I'm in that kind of, I'm pray without ceasing, I, I'm in the book, I will have a, uh, a sail that's open and ready to receive the Spirit of God as he gives me direction and moves me in the next thing, in the next decision, in the next conversation. And that's the kind of preparation that we can all do, always. We can live our lives that way. You know, and then there's a time to come where there's a project to do that requires preparation, requires materials, it requires people moving and being in place in certain ways. But the initial preparation prepares me for that project so that then I can delegate. And what am I really delegating? But... There may be tasks and things that I'm delegating, but by the grace of God, I'm delegating relationships. I have a relationship, and I'm encouraging those to have a relationship with me and then be in a vision and in a mission, and then the mission has an accomplished end, which is the edification of the body of Christ, the salvation of souls, the accomplishment of a task towards that end, whatever that is whether it's a banquet or whether it's a new church building or moving the Bible study. And all the details and calls that have to be made so that people know that the Bible study isn't here, it's here. But when I live a prepared life, then God puts that love in my heart and that care. Or, and he also adds people towards to me, or you or us, that have those kinds of skills. And we identify what they are. And then by the grace of God, we, we encourage people to operate in their, in their gifts that God's given them. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Well, you too can have a doctrinal way of thinking, eh? your steps ordered by the Lord. First, that means that you would need to be His have you ever received Christ as your Savior? Now's the time in the program where we give that opportunity. And perhaps you've been a believer for a year, maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years. But if you've never received Christ as your Savior, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. And then once that happens, God, through doctrine, through, through fellowship, through re- Him revealing who He is, our lives begin to come in order. So... Pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, come into my life. I believe that you died, you were buried, you were resurrected. All for me, that you took my sins on the cross. So I pray, Lord, that you would come into my life, that you would save me. 
you would then begin to put my life in a divine order so that I have peace and joy sourced in you. In Jesus' name, amen.